And what is going on, everybody out there, all of you buttes and beauties? It is episode number 92 of Hat Trick Hockey, which is always brought to you by our good friends over at GL Heritage, the official beer of Hat Trick Hockey. If you like Rob's sweet shirt there, shirt that I'm wearing there, if you like those, just go on to our link there, smash the link, take you right into our merch store for all of your sweet HTH merch. We'll also ship it right to your house. Ladies, we have lady sizing now. Also, I've had some ladies ask me about the Total Butte shirt. If you want the Butte shirt, all you do is you pick whatever size, and then you can write in the comment section, just write that you want it to be a Total Butte shirt, and there's no difference in the price as well. So that's for you ladies. So enjoy those. This being episode number 92, it is the Gabriel Landeskog edition of Hat Trick Hockey. He was a 2011 first round pick second overall by Colorado he's played 11 years in the league 738 games 248 goals 323 assists 571 points he's a two-time world championship gold medalist he's a olympic silver medalist he's a calder trophy winner dash one and uh he's also the current captain of the colorado avalanche i'll bring in my boy my line mate rob Looking fresh in the new shirt, kid. What's going on? It seems like it's been fucking forever since I've talked. I know. It's been like, it seems like it's been like two weeks. <laughs> I know. It's nuts. Yeah. So what's no, up? I love, this, I love this shirt, man. It feels like someone's hugging me. It it's looks good, awesome. man. It looks it's, good. Uh, it's the dry fit one. It's fucking beauty. It's beauty. I'm definitely I wore it to uh, the 73s game and everybody's like, oh man, I'm getting one of those. Yeah. So smash the link. Yeah, I, I uh, brought it over to uh, show the Meg boys before we went to the game. They're, they're all loving it. So, yeah. Beauty, beauty. Yep. Yeah, I obviously couldn't go to the game. Yep. It, it, it caught up with me. It got me. <laughs> it got me. You didn't, so go to, you didn't go to Friday's game either. No, there was no way. <laughs> Friday I was at work, wasn't I? Yeah, I was at work. I had to work Friday no and I, no I had the hockey tournament Saturday. Hey, yeah. if the 73s want to pay me to be in the stands to drink beer, I'm there. <laughs> I'm in. All for They're it. Paying me. They're paying me. I'm not supposed to tell you, though. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Dash two. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so speaking of those 73s, games three and four. So game three ended up super close. It went, uh, I think, 2-1 when they were in Lakeshore. So they got a win on the road to go up 2-1 in the series. Goals from our boy Shirky and Kyle. Kyle Blow got the winner. We got to get that kid on, too. Yeah, it was a nice little shot, too. I think he went off the post and in. It was a nice shot. And as always, Knowles in that. This kid is a fucking stud. Stopped uh, 32 of 33 shots and goal for the win for Essex. So mm. then Tuesday, they roll around. Obviously, you were there. They come back to Essex. Didn't exactly end the way we wanted to do. Uh, Lakeshore ended up. Uh, snagging game four by a score of four to two. Um, brought the series back to two. Lakeshore outshot us 30 to 27, I believe. Uh, Chittle scored both goals. Our boy Maddie Smith, Curtis Jackson each had uh, two assists each. Curtis, there, I always call him 50 because that's like 50 cents. Real name is Curtis Jackson, so I call him 50. So if that's not his nickname, I don't know how it's not. Um, Essex had 30 penalty minutes in the game. 30 penalty minutes in the game. Lakeshore only had 16. However, there was no fucking power plays. Everything offset. Yeah, they called a pretty tight game. Like uh, Flutter and uh, 
fuck, I can't remember the other uh, referee's name. Um, Rasman. I'm pretty sure it was Rasman. Um, they they called they called a really tight game, really well game. You know, like they let the boys they, they let the boys play. Um, but there was one play where I thought they were going down Bell River End, and it looked like an interference or a trip or a hold or whatever. They come back down. Um, there's just mucking about, and you know, like like it always happens. Uh, Bell River ends up scoring, right? So. Mm. It was kind of, kind of a shitty deal, and uh, it looked like our goalie um, got hurt. Oh, it looked like yeah, because he just it looked like a strain, like he was struggling getting up. But I, I don't know. He played, he toughed it out, played the rest of the game, played awesome. Uh, I thought the be- Essex was the better team in the first period, and then it kind of evened out in the second, and then you know. Uh, just a couple bad bounces and like 27, 27, 30. That, that, that's a close, that's a close game. It was a very, very good game. Both teams played very well. And I, I, was, I was pissed. I didn't have the live stream because I, I could watch it from my phone. Yeah. So well, like, you should oh. be working, but whatever. I think it, I think they're going to have it for games five, six, and possibly seven, five and six for sure. So, and we don't, I, I don't know. I could see this series going seven to be honest with you, but, and I don't think the home team has won yet. Nope. They haven't. So it's pretty crazy, man. These so teams the are so even hometown matched. fans are leaving disappointed, right? That these teams are so evenly matched too, that it's yeah. insane. It's good hockey, man. It's but good. It, it, from what I see, like in all honesty, I think Bell rivers got one line and all the rest are just like, grind you yeah. know what i mean grind wear you down like they got three lines of grind and, and but it, it just essex seems to be having a problem stopping that first line mm-hmm. they, they they seem to be scoring all the time it's the i want to say it's the brothers the um damn i can't remember their last name larue larue yeah that's it that's a typical french bell river uh you know <laughs> name Right. Always picking on the French guys. I am French assholes. <laughs> right, Mike? <laughs> Case study. <laughs> if you met Godette, yeah. either one of them. Yeah. Hi. But yeah, um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's very entertaining hockey. I I couldn't believe how many people were in the Essex Arena. Like it was fantastic. There was like, a, there was a, there was almost a thousand. Oh, there had to have been more than a thousand. Oh, they had it at like nine eighty or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm saying. But I, here's what I want to know: What is going on in Bell River? You don't have the canteen open. You don't have a bar going, and no fifty fifty. Come on, that's all. That's all free money. Like, what are you doing? And the freaking snack bar boys. thing there too. If the snack bar thing's not open, I checked the one game they had just over a thousand. Yeah, they had 1100 I, I want to say game two. Yeah. Around 1100 And it, how much money are you making off the canteen? How much money are you making off beer sales? How much money are you making off 50-50? Well, the, the snack bar might be like might be like leased out to somebody because I know Harrow is, is like that. Like it's not okay. a town that runs the snack bar. It's leased out. Well, it doesn't matter. Let's get it together. Like, mm. you know, how many people are leaving work and going – you know, I'll, straight, I'll just grab a dog the at the arena or some yeah. fries or whatever. Grab a and dog and nachos. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Right. 
Oh, yeah, so, that's crazy though. That, that shame, shame on you, shame on you, Barber. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. <laughs> feel shame. That's funny. Should, so should also, we all be in a penalty box? So game five goes Thursday, which is tonight, and yep. um, so I'm assuming game six is going to be on Saturday. Saturday in Essex, and then Sunday in Bell River. Oh, so it has to end Sunday. It's wrapping up this weekend. Oh boy. Okay, so yep. be sure to go out and pack the barn here for game six. Definitely fill that place. Ant can't go because he's pregnant. Yeah, I'll I'll still be in jail, but um, I'll definitely be watching on the on the live stream though. Probably ripping up my basement because I'll be. <laughs> or i'll be walking the floorboards on my basement pacing if the game's tight so you should do that tiktok live while you're watching it that's i you know i thought about doing that so that's also a possibility depending i'll on be how at I the feel. game so yeah, i won't be on with you <laughs> depending on how i feel we'll see yeah. um 2023 winter classic okay they're gonna do it it's going the fenway so it's gonna be boston but they're gonna be welcoming in the pittsburgh penguins do you like this matchup Boston and Pittsburgh? Yeah. Let let two fucking teams play that haven't done it. Yeah, but Pittsburgh. are they going to sell? Are you going to sell seats? If you put Columbus and, and let's go Carolina, is that going to sell? No, if, you go, if you go Ottawa and Detroit, I think would sell because it would be big for Canada, right? You know, like Canada versus... Why wouldn't Leafs? you bring one to Canada or something and do like Leafs and Oilers or something? Why not do Calgary and fucking Edmonton? That's what I mean. You can have like, a battle of Alberta. Yeah. Toronto, Detroit. It, like, it, it all depends if you want to sell it. You know, like I went to the Red it, Wings one at the fucking Wings and Leafs at the fucking big house there. Yeah. Fucking 40 below. That That's was fun. nuts. In the middle of a snowstorm. That was a great game, though, too. Yeah. Went all the way to the shootout. Leafs went in a shootout. It was a good one. So I don't know. I just, I I'm not a big fan of it. I, I, hockey should be played indoors unless you're I, a kid and, and you're just fucking, you know, scrumming it up out, out in the pond. I just want to see different teams play, though. I just feel like Pittsburgh's been in it a lot. And it's got to be at night. You know yeah. what I mean? You can't have it in the day. No. Yeah, it is cool at night. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the Leafs, Matthews could be the first guy to score 60 since Mr. Stamkos did it in 2011-2012. Uh, he's at 58 right now. So he's I think he's obviously going to get it. He's got like eight games to score two goals. <laughs> like yeah. So it's going to happen. But man, that guy, I don't know, could he get fucking near 70? I think I think he tops out about 65-66. What's he got right now? 50 what? Uh 58. 58. I could see 65. That's what I'm thinking. 65, 66. Yeah. Did Even you then, did you hear uh, he's the new uh spokesman for skip the dishes? Is he? No. Oh, because you don't pass. Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh fuck. That's funny. No, no, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I could see that 65, 66. So playoffs are just around the corner, obviously. Here's a couple of clinching scenarios for you. So the Boston Bruins will clinch if they beat Ottawa in any fashion and the Pens beat the Islanders in any fashion or get one point against the Senators and the Penguins still have to beat the Islanders in regulation. Seems confusing. Now, Crosby and them will clinch if they beat the Islanders in any fashion. That's it, straight up. 
Now the Lightning will clinch. This is for the Eastern Conference, obviously, by the way. So the Lightning will clinch if they beat the Ducks or at least get one point against the Ducks. And the Pens have to beat the Islanders in any fashion or the Islanders lose to the Penguins in regulation. <laughs> don't isn't it, what you're saying isn't it I crazy no, no but isn't no it crazy how they think of all yeah. these fucking scenarios right. right the west isn't as complicated it's so, way better than hearing they say if the season was to end now yeah i fucking hate that yeah i know me too this team would be playing this team okay but the season's not ending right now yeah i don't give we, a fuck we're still eight games away right um so the flames will clinch if they get at least one point against las vegas and um and the Colorado Avalanche will clinch the Central. So they have to beat New Jersey in any fashion. Buffalo has to beat St. Louis in any fashion. And the Stars have to beat Minnesota in regulation <laughs> for them to clinch. Not, they're, they're already in the playoffs. I've already clinched, but that's for them to clinch the Central. Bro, you lost every single one of our listeners. I know. So everybody, <laughs> try, try to figure that one out. So this is so this is what I think about it. When it comes down to shit like this, um, it's like just do the fucking top eight in east and the west. Like, why are we doing this wild card shit? I hate the wild card stuff. Yep, top eight teams. That's it. Why can't it just be go back to the old way? Just put them in two divisions. Everything will be fine. Yeah, Yeah. that's why I wanted to point all this out. Because all this wouldn't be there if it was just straight up fucking top eight get in. North, south, and that's it. Like, boom. You do you know a, north, I mean? a north division or, or an east-west division and then uh, an east-west down the, down in the U.S. It's way too confusing. It is. With, the, with all this wild card shit. Because then you don't know who's doing what. And... Well, you could have a team that that's, um, doesn't have as many points in the wild card as or has more points in the wild card that a team finishes first in their division and they get in and then there could be a team it's it's happened all kinds of times mm-hmm. where a team had more points than the team that won their division and not get in mm-hmm. so it's uh, fucked gary it's go fucked. back to the fucking eight mate. yeah like, stop geez. thinking you know what you're doing with the whole um creating rivalries yeah there's no rival there's no big rivalries anymore because there's no fighting there's no fucking you know what i mean like so so what are you you doing Mm -hmm. there's nothing going on with that anymore you you've taken all the fun out of hockey this ain't the mlb we don't want wild cards no it's dumb um so evander kane there's a pretty funny story i was kind of explaining to you very fucking so he gets into it with Ryan Hartman in Minnesota. They're getting into it or whatever. The refs break him up. Hartman flips him off just right on camera. Bam. Didn't even care. He got fined 4250 bucks. Okay. So we got fined 4250 So Evander Kane's ex Venmoed him some money to put on the fine. So I don't know if that's like a ultimate chirp savage type move or is that like i'm sick of hearing about her personally oh no that's that's i'm giving you i'm giving him some of your money that you pay me that i'm giving to him Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because doesn't he have a kid with her Uh, i'm not sure if they do i'm pretty sure he does with a few girls (laughs) (laughs) i'm just making shit up i don't know (laughs) i don't i don't think he has a kid i'm not sure though anyways yeah well, there's some bad blood there, right? 
And she's yeah, just, a little bit. She's just giving him a, a big fuck you, a Kid Rock fuck you. But sometimes it's just like, I'm just sick of fucking reading about her all the time, or sick of seeing the headlines and sick of seeing, you know what I mean? Like, what makes them so special over any other, like, couple that split? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it's because it's Kane and, and he's in the he's in the news all the time. Well, right. Yeah. But but here's another thing. So he gets a forty five hundred dollar fine. Hall throws a sucker punch. And gets a five thousand dollar fine. So wouldn't he have been better off just sucker punching him and, and getting the fine? Well, the reason why they did it, because they said it like it's like an unsportsmanlike conduct thing. Oh, just like chirping is now an unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, like it's all fucking stupid. So stupid. Stupidest thing I've ever heard. We got to get Batman out of here. Well, it's it's the no, there's no fun in this league anymore. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, you, you, some of those chirps are the best chirps ever. And you can't tell somebody off, like, you know, mm-hmm. like Ryan Reeves asking uh, Tom Wilson, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. You know, oh, now you're going to the box because you're, you're egging him on. Like, mm-hmm. shut up. What is it? It's taunting. Yeah, I don't understand. Man, I don't speaking, understand. speaking of getting chirped, did you know a few years back, Crosby, there was a guy I forget where where they were, but there was a guy they were playing. He chirped Crosby all game. After the game, the one of the like trainers or whatever told him to stay there for a second. Crosby signed him a stick, and on the blade of the stick, he wrote "Awesome chirps." Da da da. I loved it, Sidney Crosby. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so. I think it was um, McCarty. I want to say had that up on his on on his wall. I seen it. It was pretty good. I was reading it. I was like, "Wow, that's good." That just shows you what what like kind of guy Sid is. Yeah. Um. So on that note, should we flip over to our interview? Yeah, for sure. Got a pretty good one on tap. We got two time Stanley Cup champion Chris Versteeg. So everybody, enjoy. Fuck, I wish I didn't miss this one. Roll it. No time. Woo! 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 This next man we have here with us, very special guest, played 11 seasons in the NHL for seven teams. He played 643 games in the NHL, played for Team Canada, a little bit overseas, last but not least, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Look, he smiles as soon as you say, you got to just love it, eh? Chris Versteeg, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. Man, I'm sure every time someone fucking says that to you, two-time cup champ, it's just hard not to smile, eh? Like, yeah, it, it's uh, something when you do it at the time you don't think much about, but when you're retired and that's kind of how you get introduced when you come into either a room or a meeting or something, mm-hmm. it definitely makes you think, wow, it, uh it has a different uh, feel to it than, you know, oh, yeah. prior. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So you grew up, you're a, a you lived out West, right? Alberta? I'm an Alberta boy. Yeah. yeah okay. Southern Alberta. Yeah. Okay. So you obviously grew up playing like hockey out there. You've seen you played like Western league and all that stuff out there, right? Yeah. So I grew up in Southern Alberta. Hockey in Southern Alberta is still the biggest sport in Lethbridge, mm. but it's uh it's basically a different area of Canada altogether. Like you, you could fly from Toronto and if you landed in Lethbridge, you think you landed back in 1990, you know, it's a, it's a much different way of life there, much slower. It's a country town. Uh, There's probably close to a hundred thousand people there with school now, but I mean, 
agriculture is everything there, right? So you have, uh, it's a big cattle industry down there, um, many different things, but um, yeah, so it, it's a different world. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Hockey again is big, but it's not like you walk around there and everyone's like, oh, there's an NHL or whatever. It's like, you know, if a big cowboy came down there from the PBR, it'd probably be bigger, you know? <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is, but it was a great place to grow up. And yeah, a lot of why I am who I am today is because of how Lethbridge shaped me. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed too is your, uh, your 15, one of your 15 years, you had over 100 penalty minutes. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a few years where I've had over a, <laughs> um, I'm not tough by any means as a fighter. I think uh, I would always get into it. Mm. I, again, so as, as you know, growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, even mid 2000s, if you were a small player, and again, I was generally average to undersized, like I'm only 5'10 now, mm. you'd get abused. Like you would get abused oh, because bigger players saw a smaller player on the ice. And again, hot hitting was way bigger back then. Fighting was bigger, slashing, you would get abused. So as a smaller player, I had to almost go even crazier in the opposite direction. You call it small man syndrome, but you kind of had to have that syndrome back in the day Yeah, where you'd get bullied right out of an arena. So I, I mean, if someone slashed me, I would tomahawk them on the back, literally, you know, oh. And uh, that's just how I, I felt. I was like, okay, if you're going to slash me and try to bully me around, I'm going to, I'm going to stick you right in the gut, or I'm going to slash you as hard as I can, because if you do it again, I'm going to chop you down literally. So I missed a lot of games as a 15 year old because I (laughs) a lot. And I kind of carried that a little bit into pros and junior and pros. Again, Mm -hmm. I'd, uh, I'd average two fights a year, but my one pro year, I had 180 penalty minutes. I had 12 fights that year. That's crazy. And again, I'm not, I'm not tough, but it was more so I knew I had to do something different to make the NHL because Kane, or it wasn't Kane, it was Kane and Havlat and Sharp. And the only way for me to fit in was, you know, bring something different to the game. So Mm -hmm. yeah, in a long winded answer of what you asked, that's kind (laughs) of the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, like I was the same way growing up. Like I was always undersized too. And like, we're, I think I'm only like a year older than you. So it was like, it was the same style of hockey out here as it was there. Like people were trying to rip your head off. Right. So I was the same way. Rip your head off though. People don't quite get it unless you grew up in those times in the nineties and early two thousands. Like, and then it goes same with the eighties and seventies and sixties really until 2011, 12, where they started to take hitting to the head seriously. Yeah. Up until that point, if someone said they're going to rip your head off, it was a literal meaning. Yeah. Like people <laughs> trying to decapitate you because no one hit to hit the body. They hit to hit your head. Right. Mm-hmm. No, you're, high, you're just trying not to die sometimes. <laughs> yeah. What's weird now is I see like, I wouldn't, well, I would say hockey's kind of soft nowadays, the way they've kind of made it. But like back in the day, like they would have stick fights and stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? Back in the day. And then like, I see it now. It's like, it's changed so much. It has changed. And for myself, I like the change. I know some guys, especially, you know, who played in our time, they've almost felt like that they've been through it. So should the new generation. Mm-hmm. I think where the new generation lacks, which could make the game better, also should be fixed by the NHL is a little bit of the passion component. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think there should ever be hitting to the head ever. That's my, that's my own personal belief. I've seen too many of my friends that have, their lives have been ruined because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still not the same people today. 
I just don't think any hitting to the head. I still like contact. I like hard play and I love passion. And I think that's why playoffs is, is what it is because people can play with passion. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think, you know, I look at today's game. I think that could be a little bit of a lacking feature into it. And also the league, the league hasn't fully allowed superstars to be superstars yet because the rules still veer towards the B and the C player. They don't really help the A player enough still yet. I don't believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, fuck it. Hockey's just so different, but what was it like for you coming out of the Western league and you're leading up to your NHL draft? Like now you went to, I think it was Boston Bruins, right? That's who who grabbed you. Did you know that it would be them or was there other teams involved or was it kind of a, like, all right, it's fucking Boston. It is. That's that's exactly kind of what it was. I never, so leading up to that draft, my first agent, I basically had to bet like in a sense, not like actually, but I had to beg him to be my agent. You know, I'd be like, Hey, I need an agent. I might be getting, you know, I'm in the draft this year. I'm eligible. He took me on at the start of the year and he was great to me, but it wasn't like I was a high end prospect sought after where agents at 17 on your draft year are banging at your door. I had to ask an agent to be my agent at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. And I actually, as a 17 year old, I led my team in scoring And I still wasn't ranked to get drafted in the NHL. And I ended up going to represent Canada at the end of the year, U18s. And I had a really good tournament. And after that, I had my coach of the junior team. He brought me for dinner and he said, there's two teams looking at you. Boston may take you in the eighth or ninth round and or Columbus. And I still remember the talk. And I was like, huh, that's kind of crazy. And he's like, and he's like, if they don't feel like they can get you in the ninth round, they may move up to get you. But Boston never called me for an interview. Like there was no interviews or anything. Wow. So I went to my graduation. So the day, day one of the draft happened, that was my graduation. I went, you know, that used to be three rounds and then the next uh, six rounds or the following day. So I didn't even watch the draft because I didn't think I'd get drafted in the first three rounds. I went to my graduation that night. Back then we used to have a thing called safe grad. So you go light it up, you know, in the farmer's field from midnight till six in the morning. <laughs> and I remember... Me and my ex-girlfriend got home and uh, I was literally on my front lawn being dragged into the house and my mom came out and she was like crying. She's like, Rich Sutter just called. He's in Carolina right now. And Rich Sutter was someone who took me under his wing around those times. Mm -hmm. And he said, you just got drafted to Boston. And I remember kind of like, you know, I'm full hammered and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, I got drafted. You know, I don't really remember it. I went to bed. I woke up a couple hours later and then the news camera was on my front lawn. And I remember giving interviews and my mom was there again. My family started to show up and they're all crying. And I remember asking, I'm like, when did I get drafted? You know, yeah. and she's like, went in the fifth round. And I was like, the fifth round? The only thing I ever thought is I'd be like a ninth round pick if I even got drafted. So to get drafted in the fifth round was crazy. Apparently the head scout of Boston Bruins watched me play for Team Canada. And he said that, and they moved up to take me in the fifth round as well. And he said that if, uh, if he saw the chance to take me between rounds four and five, that they would take me. And I never, ever knew that, but that he was the head scout of the West. And he's the guy who ended up making the call to take me in the fifth round that year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The hardest part I think would be to fucking go out and do all those interviews and everything when you only got a couple hours sleep when you were probably so fucking hung over that oh yeah again, like I was, I still remember the, the TV interview it showed and my head was going like this in and out of the camera because i was like swaying (laughs) (laughs) but it was 
it was again that's like i was working at sport check at that time i worked there for mm -hmm. like three years i was you know i was like a regular teenager going out partying having fun i didn't really think i was going to be uh drafted to the nhl no one thought i was going to be no one really told me until my coach did mm -hmm. you know at that dinner and even then it was like yeah it's probably not going to happen like <laughs> no one's called me mm -hmm. One of the things I love to ask guys is what was it like leading up to your first NHL training camp? Like you go in, like you see all these guys that you probably watched growing up and stuff like that. Like, how was that experience for you? It, it was crazy. So we missed it that. So when I got drafted, the lockout happened mm -hmm. in 2004. So we missed that, that training camp as a 18 year old. So I went as a 19 year old, it was the following year. And I remember walking in, and Joe Thornton was standing there. So it's like the first meeting, everyone shows up, all the young guys, all the vets, everyone, you get into the room, you talk about your goals. They welcome the young guys to the team. They talk a little bit about camp. And uh, I remember Mike Sullivan was the coach. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the GM at the time. I can't, he was the older one. It was the one right before uh, Shirelli came in. Gosh. Why can't I think right now? He might've been Sullivan as well. Might have been O'Sullivan and Sullivan. I, th Sullivan. I think you're right. I think you're right. O'Sullivan. So anyways, I remember seeing like Joe Thornton and Joe Thornton is like huge, right? First yeah. off, he's like six, six. I walk in, I see Glenn Murray, you know, you see all these guys and you're like, holy cow, like I've been watching you guys. I mean, Sergey Samson obviously one of my favorite players, right? Yeah. I walk in and these guys are all around the room and, and Alexei Jamnov. And now, you know, you have this moment with them where you're kind of like you're not even watching them talk about hockey or anything about to do with camp i'm just like looking at their faces you know like are they human yeah. are they real people and my first ever camp they put me on a line with alexei jamnov and i remember i was doing two-on-one drills to start camp and he gave me like five backdoor tap-ins and i was like this is crazy this guy is insane and he used a blade that was like maybe eight inches long but it was just, there was an aura around these guys to me, right? I don't know if the same feeling for young guys still is that today. Mm. Like back then there was no social media. There was nothing. The only time you saw these guys was every hour on the highlight ticker, right? And you'd only see them for like a minute, right? Yeah. So it was like, it was, there was no access to them. And when you saw them, it was like, almost like this mystical type creatures so it would be like <laughs> on the ice with them and looking at them, you're trying to, you couldn't almost comprehend it, to be honest with you. That was just a feeling I had. I don't know if others felt that way. Oh, it's got to be. Well, you when you see these guys growing up and you're watching these guys growing up playing and you walk in, man, they're right in front of you. It's probably it's probably like, and you're young too, like 19 is yeah. young to be going in there. I just turned, I think I was just turning 19 too, right? So yeah, that's you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, and again, like it was almost video game-like is the best way I can explain it. Mm -hmm. you're, you're like, these guys are real, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So now that we're through camp and everything, what was it like leading up to your first NHL game? Were the nerves kicking when you walk in the locker room? Is it just like, okay, this is it? And like, how did, how did that whole experience go for you? Yeah, my first exhibition game was with Boston. We played against the New York Islanders. I had wicked nerves. Dave Lewis was the coach. I thought, you know, before the game started, I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do? I played like one shift. So I, I didn't, that didn't really matter, right? So I played, I played one exhibition game. That was what the first one was like, but my first real ever NHL game, I got called up. I was with the Chicago Blackhawks and it was at the end of October, I believe. And I played against either start of November or end of October 2007. And I played against Calgary Flames in Calgary. So that's my hometown. Technically. Awesome. Awesome. 
So all my friends and family were there calling everyone, calling my mom, calling my dad, you know, people crying. And this is even before I was allowed to play in the game, but it was just like such a crazy moment for me to play my first ever national hockey league game in my hometown in front of friends and family. The same exact thing I felt for Joe Thornton, you know, when I walked in the room and I saw him was the same thing I felt when I lined up on my first faceoff, and I have a real cool picture of it against Jerome McGinley. Oh, nice. Southern Alberta, Jerome McGinley's God. Right. And the year I was drafted, I was actually cheering for the flames on the red mile. You know, I was like, you know, I was like during the lock, it was right before the lockout happened. They lost to Tampa Bay. You know, I was at parties. I had a Calgary flame puck on my head. I still have the photo, you know, uh, I'm like, as a kid, like cheering on Jerome McGinley. And three years later, I'm lined up against him, you know, and you're just like, this is a real guy again. And you're like, this isn't a real moment. And then he gave me a wicked cross check right in the forearm, right off the face off. And it kind of like snapped me in. I'm like, holy shit, he's going to hurt me if I don't get ready. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was like, okay, I got to start to push this aside of being in awe of these people and start to realize like, I'm, I got to start playing hockey and stop being in awe. Mm-hmm. Give them a fucking whack back. Like, fuck oh, yeah. you. That's exactly <laughs> what started to happen. I remember Craig Conroy and all them. That's after that, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to try to hit him. Right. I'm going to try to do something because he just slashed me. And if I don't again, it's like, it's a, especially then it was a, a much different game. Right. It was a kind of like a dog eat dog. <laughs> they could find that you're gonna get abused they'll abuse you right they'll hit you and whack you until you don't want to play the game anymore yeah that's crazy so where were you when you got your first actual like freaking call up like were you sitting out with friends were you like where were you when you got i was i was in the car heading to practice we're about to or sorry we're headed to a game i believe we're gonna go play peoria and me and nicholas jalmerson were both in the car together and I got the call and I ended up going to play Calgary. He ended up going to play Peoria. I think it was that game. And then I played three games, got sent down. And then me and Nicholas Jalmerson were in the car like three or four weeks later again. And we both got called up to go to Dallas. So I was there for Nicholas Jalmerson's first game as well. So both times I remember he was next to me uh, in the car when I got the call. Al McIsaac called me. He was the vice president of the Hawks at the time and just gave me a call said, hey, we're going to bring you up you know, and uh, better call your family and get them all there to the game. Love it, man. Love it. So now that we're all kind of on first and everything, your first goal, where'd your first goal happen at and who was it on? Michael Telkvist was the goalie. It was against the Arizona Coyotes. And I got called up just after Christmas time again, played in Arizona. I think we were down 2-2 at the time, or 2-1 at the time. I assisted the first goal of the game. It was a Cam Barker shot, and we pulled the goalie with a couple minutes left, and they put me on the ice. And I remember just one-timing the puck from, like, the sideboards, and it was going wide, and it went off Keith Ballard's ass and in the net. <laughs> so it was it was not a snipe by any means. It was a lucky goal, but it was the first goal. And I remember kind of after the game, too, thinking, holy shit, I just, you know, I got an assist. My first, no, yeah, I got my first ever assist and goal. Those were my first two ever points against the Phoenix Coyotes. And after the game, I was like, wow, I, you know, I got a goal in the show. It was pretty cool. Okay. And then, and that's the thing too. Like, I, like we've had guys on the show, they've only scored one in the show, but I'm like, you don't understand. Nobody can take that away from you. No. Like that's it's something cool that you play did. a game. Yeah. It's cool to play a game, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a lot of guys, but then even to score a goal or have that like stat line, there is a whole other mm-hmm. element to playing in the NHL. Um, so I'm from like Windsor area. 
Okay. So coach uh, freaking Q is obviously from, from Windsor. So how was he as a coach? And I understand that he uh, didn't like you shooting it through your legs. Oh man. <laughs> uh, Quenville is, well, obviously he's the best coach I ever played for. He is the best, you know, and, and I kind of find I coach now I coach my kids. I kind of use a lot of the same things he used, you know, you're kind of gap, you, you're, you're gambling in a sense, right. On who you think's going at that moment. Mm -hmm. And he, there's no one who had a better sense for who was playing well at certain moments than coach Q. Now it sucked to be the guys. He was all, one of the guys he was always rotating in and out of the lineup. Cause I, well, I always played generally most of the time, but in and out of like the line. So if I was playing with Kane for five games, I would have five points in five games. But the second I didn't play good in game six, I was back on the third or fourth line, you know, and then, and then Sharp would be there or Brower would be there or, you know, so it was always like, he was always ma getting, making sure his horses were fresh and he always made sure, you know, and then once he would switch me out for Sharp, Sharp would score. And then once Sharp would play bad, he'd switch him up for Brower, Brower would score. It was just wild how, how he could gamble on who was going on each and every moment. Mm -hmm. You need mentally strong players to be able to handle that type of um, way of coaching. And that's why I think he tests you a lot, especially early on to see if you can mentally take what he's going to give to you. Um, and then as for the through the leg stuff, we're playing <laughs> in Colorado and this is 2008 now. And I remember coming down the wing and Ruslan Soleil was kind of cutting me off and I put the puck through my legs and I, I wired it through my legs. It went off the crossbar and out. It was kind of coming on on my off wing. And I used to do it all the time. Like I scored a bunch of goals in the A like that. I had to fight though every time. <laughs> I scored this goal in the A and I had three fights in the next like three shifts, literally like uh, Carter. Carter jumped me. He plays for, uh, played for Minnesota. I played with him as well. A couple other guys, but I snapped it through my legs off the crossbar and out. And he just went bonkers. Like he, he went crazy. And he's like, did he just fucking do that? Did he just do that? And I got back to the bench. He screamed at me about doing that. Then he brought me into the room in between periods and called it junior shit, you know? And then, uh, the next day he pulls it up on video and buff and everyone are dying laughing. And he's again, same kind of thing. He's like, this is junior shit. I don't want to see it. So we go out for practice that day and Buff and Kane are shooting pucks through their legs. Like all, <laughs> almost to again, prove the point to me. Like you can't shoot the puck through your legs, but we can. <laughs> That's fucking fun. Yeah. It was funny. Again, it's, it's true though. Like if you did that then, which I didn't like, cause I like to play like that. And I like to try new creative things. Mm -hmm. Uh, you generally had to fight. Like, I remember again, we were in Portland, David Krejci gave me a breakaway pass and it was to make it one, nothing in the first period. I put it through my legs, like bar down. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I came back to the bench next shift. I got jumped, you know, the shift oh, later wow. I had to fight, you know, and then the next game we played Portland again in Providence, I had to fight again. So it's just like, it's great to see the kids now being able to do it without having to worry about, you know, if they're going to be able to eat a meal later. Rob's getting ready to hop on here in a few seconds. So feel free to give it to him. Um, one of the other stories that I actually heard about you too, is there was a practice or something. You're just flipping pucks in the stands. <laughs> what yeah. happened with that? That's Ryan Whitney's favorite story. So I was, I was in Florida. Uh, I just had ACL surgery. I wasn't playing very good. Uh, they were going to healthy scratch me and I was kind of pissed off. 
I was, you know, I was supposed to just be used on the power play technically, but I was brutal. Like I was a shell of myself, my knee, and I had hip surgery as well. So I wasn't playing very good. So to their credit as well, I, I deserve to be healthy scratch, but I was pissed off. So I went on for pregame skate. And when skate started, I just started firing all the pucks in the stands. And by the, you know, five minutes in, we'd go down on a two on one instead of shooting it on goal, I'd shoot it in the stands. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, there's no pucks left on the ice. And Gord Murphy's like, where's all the fucking pucks? And then I remember Witt and all them were like, I think he sh Versteeg shot him in the stands. He goes, well, what do we do now? And we're all like, well, I don't know. He goes, practice is over, you know, oh. and he called practice. So 10 minutes in, all the pucks were in the stands and practice was done. That's funny, man. And fuck, and they're all probably just standing there watching you, Witt and all them just watching you. It just flick yeah. pucks and you're just like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. That's fucking funny. Um, funny. If you know, like NHL practices for morning skate, there's like 60 pucks on the ice. There's not like five pucks on the ice either. Yeah. There's, there's literally five pucks per guy out there. Mm -hmm. That's funny though. And you flex, flex every single one in this thing. That's hilarious, man. In Washington. That's witty to just to even think of that to like, ah, oh, you know, I flick. Yeah. You can't practice no pucks. Right. I'm surprised. No yeah. I'm surprised he didn't bag skate you. That's what I thought was coming. I kind of expected to get bag skated. So that's why I kept doing it. Then I was like, well, I'm just going to get bag skated then. Cause you know, I just wanted to prove my point. Mm -hmm. and, uh, nothing ended up happening. Well, I ended up, you know, I got in shit, which I deserved. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I expected to get bag skated. I went in there fully knowing like he's going to put me on the line and skate me for the next hour, but it, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Thank God. I, <laughs> One of the things too that I wanted to ask you because I know you were obviously on the team when I think it was Kaner scored the overtime goal in Philadelphia for you guys to win the first cup there. I was watching it at home and I seen him do the little dance on, I think he was on the half wall or whatever. He did a little dance and then he like come off and he shot and then all of a sudden he's throwing his gloves and I, no one knew and like no one knew anything. I don't think the world, I don't, the refs didn't know. I think he was the only one that seen that shot go in. So yeah, what, him what or was it like for like you guys on, like, were you on the bench? Were you on the ice? Like, so how was all that? I just came off the ice. I remember kind of sitting there and Troy Brower was next to me. And I was just like sucking wind basically. Cause you're came off the ice and I looked up and I saw Kaner kind of make his little shimmy shake. And he kind of went down the wall and he snapped a low one on net. And I heard a thunk, like it sounded like the goalie put his paddle down and it hit his paddle. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I looked in the stands. I thought it like ramped off his paddle into the netting. And then Brower's like, where's the puck? I'm like, I think it's in the netting. And then all of a sudden, when I said that, I saw Kaner come down and his gloves were off. And I'm like, the fuck just happened? And then Brower's like, I think it's in the net. I'm like, well, I'm, and we're all still kind of looking and then all of a sudden the rest of the guys jump on the ice. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going on the ice. Mm -hmm. I jump on and I'm like, now I'm like, okay, must be in the net. He thinks it's in the net. And also in the back of your head, you're like, it might not be in the net. I have no idea. <laughs> but I saw, you know, Browers threw his shit off. I threw my shit off. Got down to the end. You start hugging the guys and Kaner's like, it's in, it's in, it's in. He's screaming, it's in. I looked down the ice and you could see the one rep kind of going in the net and he found it in the cushion. And oh. still to this day, they say they can't find the puck, but there's a picture of him holding the puck. Oh, like okay. the picture. So I saw him, we all saw it. He was looking in the net and he, you could see him pull something out and we're like, oh, it's in the net. And then we looked over and the coaching staff was starting to give us a thumbs up because they'd been just advised that the goal was in as well. Mm -hmm. But from that moment of not knowing when me and Brower were on the bench to jumping off, 
and kind of looking down, you're almost like, God, please be in the net. Because if we threw our shit off and it is not in the net or it is not a goal and we lose the Stanley cup, this will be all time epic, worst things ever. Mm -hmm. but ever. <laughs> That's one of those caner. You better be fucking sure that one. Yeah, like. you better be sure. He was sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, sharp might've been sure as well, or lad. I've never really asked them that question or I've never heard it from their mouths. Uh, I also thought I had heard Nick Boynton say he heard it was in. Oh, okay. I think I seen a video online, but when the ref was going through the net, well, the way he had his ass, he was on the right post. So right where it went in and he was standing there and he's pulling up the net and everything. And his ass is back as to that. And he's pulling up. I'm like, Pucks right there. Pucks right there. Like you could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like Kaner must have saw it go right through, right into the net, right? He he must have shot that through a hole that was like large enough for the puck. It must have been just right perfect. Like I don't, I don't, and the, I would love to ask him, like, did you mean to shoot that there, or were you just trying to put it on net? I think he was just putting it on net. Like there's, I, there's, yeah. yeah, you're just putting it at that type of pace and play. Like I would assume you're just throwing it on net because that is a hard angle for the goalies. Like mm -hmm. Crosby, three months prior to that. You know, he scored the same goal against Ryan Miller, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like that off shot where they're going in that reverse V and there's like some room. If you throw it hard and low enough at times, you can beat a guy five hole. Yeah. Especially if they're unprepared to put their paddle down. Mm -hmm. So, and Kaner goes shelf from there as well, right? So maybe Layton's thinking he could go shelf or whatever, but Kaner's probably just thinking, get it on net and cause a shit storm. Mm -hmm. That's well, kind of, that'd be my guess mm -hmm. and just playing with them forever, right? And on the other, freaking like side of that too it wouldn't shock me if he did mean to shoot that there though with caner no, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> he's looking so at fucking the play good. yeah yeah he's 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 the most clutch player of all time yeah he's not no one there's no one i've ever seen more clutch in clutch situations and it's i mean every time we went to overtime in five playoff runs i was with the hawks you know he was always the guy who assisted the goal set up the goal scored the goal was the you know the third assist on the goal it was just wild he got so much better as the game got tighter yeah he's a special player man he's fucking and he to do it for a smaller guy too is like the shit he does for a smaller guy is insane if he was playing today's game at his youth it would be he'd have 150 he'd have 150 points yeah he's ridiculous just because you got to think he was getting you know, between 60 and 80 points a game during one of the hardest generations to score of all time, right? That kind of, that, you know, between 2010 to 2016 or 2008, nine to 2016, right? You'd only have one to 200 point scores maybe a year. If that, most guys, you'd only have one guy get point a game per team. Mm -hmm. And you have, you know, him at two, three years ago, he had 120 points. Like if you would have turned him loose in today's game where there's less slashing, no hitting to the head, mm -hmm. a lot of things. I mean, you could add another 15 to 20% points to his totals. Oh yeah. He would dominate. Um, I noticed too, you played in Toronto. Everybody talks about the media in Toronto. Is the media just fucking nuts in Toronto? Or cause I think when you were there, the captain was fun enough, right? He was the captain. Yeah. So did he kind of try to take that away from you guys and kind of put all the media with him to that way, kind of take everything off the rest of the team? Because I know the Toronto media is tough. Yeah, the Toronto media is tough. I remember at the start of the year, there was uh, Fanoff, myself, maybe Mike Commissarek. They kind of put the main question. They talked to us. They're like, you guys will be like four of the main guys talking to the media. Mm -hmm. So I remember I talked to the media quite often. 
Kessel didn't really like to, even though he was the most enjoyable one for everyone to listen to speak. <laughs> it, it is a different, it was tough in the sense that I went from Chicago, which the media was just as crazy. Like we would have 30, 40 cameras and our cameras and, and reporters in the room every day for two years. Right. So when I got to Toronto, it was similar, even practices, especially the last two years in Chicago, prior to going to Toronto, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was more of a fishbowl in Toronto in the sense that, you know, everything was about the the Leafs and also we weren't that good. So it was a lot more negative media. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't very good at the start too. My first 10 games, I was very, you know, I was maybe had one assist in my first 10 games, one goal, one assist. I wasn't very good. And, you know, everyone's talking like they got Doug Gilmore, but they got Doug Glatt, you know, I was kind of, <laughs> that joke. so it was, uh, it was a tough transition, but again, like, we won the Stanley cup the year before I had two hernias, like I had two sports hernias that I ended up getting done at the end of that year with Philly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I played in Toronto with that and I didn't train the whole summer. Like I was basically just resting because I had all these bad injuries from winning the Stanley cup. I put skates on two days before camp. Like literally I usually have a, I have my hockey school that runs the first week of August. I only went on, on my skates to teach the kids that week and showed up in Toronto end of August and put my stuff on. Right. So it wasn't like I was prepared to play either. Mm-hmm. It was just trying to get healthy again to make sure I could get through another NHL season. So that's why for me, overall, looking at my total experience, I felt bad that I, you know, I actually, I, I had good stats there. I played, I thought re- really well once I got in shape and got into the swing, mm-hmm. but overall um, it, it like they'll get on you and it's hard because it's not Florida, you know, like if you're not scoring four or five games in Florida, the questions don't come, but if you're not scoring four or five games and you're expected to in Toronto, it is, it becomes relentless. Right. And it can play on your psyche. If you're not built for that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, Philadelphia there. You played with Chris Pronger. Yeah. He's a mean son of a bitch when he played hockey. And I know like I've heard him on, I think, I don't know if he was on chicklets or missing curfew or something. I was listening on, I think I've heard you on both of those too, but he yeah. was, um, but he was just saying the respecting, like he was the guy that would like rookies would eat last and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. Was yeah. big on that. Yeah. I wasn't a rookie when I was with Philly, but that's definitely something he, I would, I would be certain that he would want to instill in the team. Now, I know things have changed. I'm still a a believer in the sense of, you know, let the vets get off the bus first, you know, let the vets eat, you know, just get their food first, just show a little bit of respect for the guys that have come before you and that are trying to help you out. I don't think there's anything bad about that. I know there's a lot of people that think there's an issue with that, or you're demeaning someone, man. I mean, we picked up pucks, you know, me and Kaner would pick up pucks together after every skate. Right. Mm -hmm. We would stay out late. We'd work on skills and we'd also have to pick up pucks together. Like Patrick Kane picked up pucks, Patrick, you know what I mean? Yeah. If I don't think can, anybody can. <laughs> that's what I mean. And I don't think it's like, I, I so I, I'm totally fine with Pronger saying that because I think it should be something. I think you should want to accept a rookie and make them feel at home and make them feel comfortable. Uh, maybe at some instances back in the day, it wasn't quite like that, but I also, think there should be a level of respect from them coming to you. Well, yeah. Well, not to mention vets too, right? Like you guys have been on the grind in the freaking league and stuff. Yeah. They should show a little, I like, I would be like, speak when you're spoken to, like, if that's me in there, I'd be like, 
when someone talks to me, I'll talk to them. Yeah, there, not, I'm there, not bugging anybody. Yeah, like, there's guys, there's guys like that too. Like some vets, you know, they, they operated like that. So, I mean, when I was a rookie, like I never stood up until I was told to stand up, you know, you never ate till you're told to eat, which I was fine. Most vets were always great though, you know, and some operated a little more, you know, stringent with, Hey, are you standing up too early or too late? You know, that's just how it was. But you know, yeah, I, the, the best thing you can do as a rookie. And if my, my kids ever played, you know, junior or, or in the pros, I'd say, Hey, just make sure you respect the veterans. They've come before you, they've put in the time and work and it'll make your life. Uh, it'll make your life easier. I think for them to help you. And again, it's not, it's, it's, there's no hazing anymore. There's none of that bullshit, right. Which mm. there shouldn't be, but as for just a veteran, if you come in and you see a young guy picking up pucks and you see a, a young guy letting you eat first, even at junior, you're probably like, wow, this, this kid kind of, he, he, he's respecting. Yeah. yeah. He knows any, and again, you don't have to be a dick about it or anything like that, but I, I would definitely have, you know, I would instill that in my own children personally. Yeah. It's not a bad little trait to have. What I noticed too, with you, it was nuts was you went, so you went from Chicago, Toronto, Philly, Florida, and then you went back to Chicago and then you went another cup in Chicago. So yeah. did you guys kind of know going into that year that did you like look around the room and be like, Hey, like, this could be something special here. Yeah. So the year before, again, that was that year uh, I was coming off hip and knee surgery. I got traded back to Chicago and I was poor. Like I was not very good for the Hawks, but we ended up losing to LA in game seven, double overtime and LA ended up winning the cup. Mm -hmm. So we lost in Chicago off that fluky goal. And again, like I always thought like if I was 5% better, 10% better, maybe I could have made a difference. Right. And so that summer I went to work and did a lot. And we also, you know, we were missing a centerman, I thought kind of at the third line. And that's when we brought in Vermette. But at the start of that year, you know, we were, we were firing on all cylinders. We were a really good team at Christmas time. I broke my hand and I was out for two and a half months, but um, you know, we brought in Vermette a little bit around then he solidified the third line. Tara Vinen was kind of coming up as a young guy. He was, he was doing really well in the minors and then he started to solidify himself during the playoffs. So we had pieces fall into place at the right time, you know, and guys score again, you know, there's a lot of guys who scored big goals or set up big plays throughout that series, but it was a, it was a strong team top to bottom, but it was carried by Duncan. Like that was Duncan Keith's playoffs. He played 30 minutes a night. He played, you know, top line against top lines. He scored big goals. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone dominate at that level over two months like Duncan had you know you talk about Kane and Taze as well but I'm more so talking from a defensive standpoint mm -hmm. now of all the spots you played all the cities you played everything where was your favorite yeah Chicago yeah Chicago yeah I thought Chicago. it'd be like Florida because you're golfing everything uh -huh. like you no but Florida you I love, yeah I love Florida there there's that 2000 from 2008 to 2010 was just uh it was incredible years, you know, some of my best friends, we were together in the minors together in 2000, you know, 2006, seven season in Virginia. Uh, we played in Rockford together, you know, we fought together, we were in line brawls together, we we're in, you know, you're just, you know, you're, you're like brothers that were coming up and then you win Stanley Cups and you, we came to Chicago, there was no fans in the stands, you know, know it was nuts. there was like literally no one at a game. I'd go to a bar, I'd pull up my NHL card and they'd tell me to get to back of the line. 
you know, and then a year later, we're selling out the stands in 2008, nine, you walk up to a bar, you don't even have to pull out your NHL card and they'll kick someone out of a seat just to make sure you can sit down at it. You know, it was just like within one year, how hockey went from nothing to everything is wild. And we would go to practice. I don't think people quite comprehend how big the team was mm-hmm. in the Chicago area. Like people don't quite get it. We used to practice at this place in Bensonville in Chicago, and it was like an hour drive from downtown. There would be four or 5,000 people there That's waiting crazy. for us at practice. Like we couldn't get to our cars. We used to have to hire security to walk us to our cars, especially on weekends, right? Like we would have 2,000 people watching practice, 3,000 people. And this is just like a, you know, at this Bensonville. And then we couldn't even get to our cars and, you know, everywhere we went, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was wild. And so to like have hockey that you didn't think was nothing to kind of be hawk, you know, to be what it was during those years, there's a, there's a nostalgic feeling. And there's also a feeling that I see young players coming from Chicago area now that probably started playing hockey because 2008, 9, 10, you know, those teams happened and then that made them want to play hockey. And now you see all these great young hockey players coming from Chicago, whether they're drafted to the NHL, like Turcotts and all these guys and the Hawks were their favorite team during those era. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's where you're starting to see the grassroots movement of that age group come through as the young players now all born and raised in Chicago. So uh, it's, it's a special place. It's a special time. And those, those teams to me are the best, you know, it was, it was a great time. That would be nuts. Just practicing in front of like 3000 people. Like what is going on here? It was where the steel used to play Chicago steel. So, oh, okay. it would be, you know, it was like a little bit of a smaller bowl arena. Yeah. It would hold me again, maybe 1500 to 2000, but again, not everyone could get inside. They'd all be waiting outside for us just to walk to our cars, to see us walking to our cars. I, again, I don't think, you know, I try to explain to like friends today, you know, friends that weren't around or, you know, parents on my hockey team, we're talking about what Chicago was like. I'm like, people don't quite get how, just how big the Hawks were in, you know, those years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was nuts, man. So what, so you, you were in the league for a long time, obviously, which city had the best nightlife? Well, Las Vegas has the best. Yeah. Chicago's got great nightlife too. Like I, I love Chicago. Chicago, um, LA. I, everyone always talks. I don't like LA. I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say. Everybody says LA. No, LA's okay, but like everything closes at one o'clock, and I'm not a. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of LA. You know, Chicago has unbelievable nightlife. The food, just the atmosphere. Toronto's got good nightlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal. Uh, Miami there's a lot of places that have really good but to me there's nothing better than Las Vegas oh yeah and the funniest part too is like never been to Vegas I've never been to Vegas Um, I've never went to Chicago either I'm like man like I gotta go to these fucking cities just because like I just hear that hockey well now like look at fucking Vegas now the Golden Knights like that city is hockey crazy right now yeah they're crazy and I hope they make the playoffs I know it's crazy what's going um, on there right now yeah it's it's awesome they got all those shows and i've always been a big like i've always loved shows like dj shows and Mm -hmm. uh, they they got some of the best shows on earth there they're oh yeah oh yeah um what's the best chirp you've ever heard playing in the nhl well so my kid has a well i i I mean there's been a ton my kid (laughs) has a Sidney crosby jersey and I was playing with Carolina at the time. And I remember, so I told my kid, I'm like, you know, Crosby 
you know, he made fun of your daddy, right? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I was playing against Crosby and I was playing for Carolina. And I remember I was kind of shadowing him one game. I was where line matched against them. And he goes, Hey, for Stieg, I remember when you used to be good, what happened? You know? Oh. So I was like, so now my son wears his Jersey around cause he loves Sid. <laughs> it's pretty funny how things work out. Just tell him, fuck you, Sid. Yeah. <laughs> like sure. what else could you say to him? Like the yeah, guy, was... one of the best players in the world. Like what do yeah. you, <laughs> just like, you want to go or something? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else to do here. I remember I looked around on the bench and everyone's looking at me. I'm like, yeah, I used to be good. <laughs> that's fucked. Yeah. That's the thing though. When he says something to you, it's like, fuck, like you can't really, it's Crosby. Yeah. Like, it's like, fuck you. It's all Probably, I, was... I think around maybe the year before I remember chirping him. I think he said something. I said something. I was like, you know, you might be way better than me and way richer, but I still have more Stanley cups. And I think within two years, he shut that up. So <laughs> you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I had on. Now I don't. <laughs> oh, he's so fucking good, man. Yeah, um, a couple of things I wanted to ask you now. We're kind of out of the NHL stuff, but well, what did you think about the Keith Yandel situation? It's complete horseshit. I, I was like, like who, I was like, who's coaching that team? Mike fucking Babcock? Like, what's I, going on I, here? I understand you call young guys up at the end of the season, you give them shots, you give them chances, but they they're a horrible team. Like the Flyers are a horrible team. They're not in the playoffs. Mm. For Mike Yo to do that is like there's got to be maybe the decision's not solely on him. It could be Fletcher as well. So I think it would be a co-issue. But for them to do that is bullshit. Like complete bullshit. No, oh, actually, I, it, it's actually a it's it's a dirtbag move to be honest. Because now I know I think Babcock did, I think he did it on two occasions. He did one with Madano, yeah, when he was with the Wings, and he still finished his career with fourteen hundred and ninety nine games. Yep, it's like motherfucker. And then the other again, like you, you they they don't remove themselves. Like Mike, you know, did he? I don't know if he ever played. Did he play a long time or something? I'm not even sure. I have to go see. Maybe he did. But if you as a – so if Mike Yo looks back in the mirror and sees himself as a player, and again, there's a business side to hockey. Yeah, of course. If the Philadelphia Flyers are in the playoffs or in the hunt, I totally get it. Sit yeah. Yandel down. If he's not performing, you sit him down. Absolutely. It's not, it's not a – you know, it shouldn't be handed to him. Mm -hmm. But right now, they're not in the playoffs, and they're a horrible team. Mm -hmm. So – for them to do that to him is a dirtbag move, right? And that's mm -hmm. again, I don't think it's just yo, I think it's Fletcher too. But I, I completely disagree with what they've done. Um, I agree. Yeah. And yeah, again, like it's guy... not a charity. Playing in the NHL is not a charity. Mm -hmm. There is that, and it's part of the game. But there's also put yourself in the situation if you were a player and you had this streak on the line and you're, you know, and the team's not winning and it's crap, right? Why can't yeah. I play the last little bit? Or why can't I keep this going? Because most likely next year, Yandel won't be in the lineup because he's not going to, he may not be good enough to play consistently anymore. Maybe he is more of a bit of a spot treatment player. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's bad. I think that, that, that they should have at least let him hit a thousand in a row. Yeah. You know what wow. I mean? Like the guy fucking played every game for 13 years. And then you yeah. fucking scratch him. Like I, I just, when I heard about, like, I was like, no, cause like yeah. I've been following him. I got his fucking photo up there, a signed photo yeah. <laughs> of him when he was with the Rangers. Like it's fucking crazy, man. I can't believe he did that to him. Completely gutless move on my, on from, 
from this end anyways i was just fucking couldn't believe it i was in awe yeah but fuck brutal no it's 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 a Again, I understand it if they're in a playoff race or things. Yeah, completely. And they want to put young guys in the lineup. Okay, we'll sit down someone else. Why can't someone else sit down? Yeah. Or, like, couldn't they do the freaking Kessel thing there with them? Like, Phil, when he was in, I think, Detroit, they were. they He played a shift and then was gone because he had – I think he went for the birth of his kid. Yeah. But he, yeah, but he was there, and he played one shift, and he was gone. Like, couldn't they do something like that with him even? Like, let him keep the fucking streak? No, there's there's obviously something more to it. Like Mike Yo or Fletcher have an issue with Yandel, right? Mm-hmm. There's an obviously because you don't just do that to a player. Yeah. And he handled it like a fucking pro, too. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like with I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but I just mean like when he was with the like media and stuff like that, he handled it like a pro. I thought, but I was just like, still, I was just gutless move. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you too is what's life like after hockey? Yeah, it's, it's a lot different now. I'm in a whole different um, mindset. Uh, it's not as scheduled, which you miss as a hockey player. I think you miss just being around the guys. Mm-hmm. We ha- you know, I, I do have a company now, Clever, which is, you know, we got a lot of ex-athletes in it. Actually, Patrick Weirkoch, we just brought on for some sales and um, help in that aspect of the company. But we, you know, it's, so you have the camaraderie as the team, which has been great, but it is definitely a different world. And it's a new world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot new. A lot new. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're like, you're like married now kids. You're also coaching your kids and stuff like that yeah. too now. Right. Yeah. So I coach the kids. I coach both their age groups. We have spring teams. We have a winter development program. I have clever. It's a sporting app, especially for the youth market. Mm-hmm. We basically streamline the entire process for a youth coach to take a clip, share, edit a clip, meaning teach it and share it. You know, what used to take an hour now takes a second, like seconds to do. So that's something that uh, we've been heavily, and we're actually in a fundraising round at the moment, trying to, you know, make the company bigger and get out to more people. So that's currently what we're doing. So it's a whole new world. You're learning about how to grow a business, how to make it better, how to give the customers what they want. You know, in hockey, it's more so just, here's the time you need to be here, show up and be ready to play. So it's just a different a different mindset and a different challenge for me. I think uh, I'm excited about the challenge to see if this is something that can, you know, rock the foundation of the sporting uh, tech world. And I think we can do it. Um, But then again, I do love coaching as well. So maybe somewhere down the line, I get back into the game more on a pro level or junior level, whether it's coaching or management. Mm -hmm, That'd be cool. Um, Yeah. And we'll, we'll obviously try to push as much there for you as we can too, for your brand. So we'll try to push that as much for you too, as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Last thing I'm going to ask you this year, hockey, who's going to win the cup? Who's going to take it? I think Colorado. I I said that too. (laughs) I I, I picked the last two years. I had Tampa, Tampa. I think it's going to be Colorado, Boston final. That's, that's my pick for the finals. I Boston's playing well. I think they're a little better than Florida when they're fully going. I don't know what Ekblad's going to do. Tampa Bay's been through the ringer. They can always just win it just because they're so special and talented. And I think they did a really good job solidifying their third line. Mm-hmm. I just have a feeling about Boston. One last run with Bergeron and all those guys, see if they can do it. And Colorado and Colorado wins in the final. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Leafs go out of the first round? 
Depends who they play. <laughs> I was saying that too. I would say because Rob's a big Leafs guy. I'm like, Rob, you guys are fucking in one here, man. Like, because I think it was as of a couple weeks ago. I'm like, if the season ends now, you're either getting uh, Carolina, Florida, or Tampa. Yeah. I was like, good luck. I think they, I think they match up well against Florida mm-hmm. without, especially without a neck blad, just their speed. Tampa, I'm not certain how they match up against Tampa. Not, I don't think particularly well. overall and then who's the other one carolina yep yeah again i think carolina they're they're the two harder matchups i think if you're you're toronto you want florida first round oh yeah um hey where do you are you in ontario now yeah so i have a place i'm in uh whitford brooklyn ontario just outside of whitby oh okay so you're like a couple hours away from me yeah are you ever in like windsor area or anything at all uh, we may be for hockey here soon with the kids. Oh, okay. I was, I was going to say, if you ever come down, like for just whatever, I was going to say, bring your clubs with you. Yeah. I heard there's some good courses down there. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll hit some. Yeah. Well, you let me know. We'll, we'll crush beers on the course and we'll fucking, I'm a horrible golfer, but I'm good at drinking beer. So we can do that. That seems like most of the guys I've played with. <laughs> but all right, man, I just want to say thank you so much, man. I know you're a busy, busy guy. Um, good luck with everything man and uh we look forward to seeing you soon yeah uh, thanks for having me and tell your partner in crime that uh it's tough without him today and i'm happy he wasn't (laughs) here i felt like it was a better interview without him (laughs) i love it thank you chris yeah (laughs) thanks buddy and there he was folks christopher steeg Wish I would have had Rob for that one, but Rob was sick and kind of out of it. So, and that was the oh. only time Chris could do it. So we, uh, we had to get him. Well, um, I took a nap at like 10 o'clock and slept till like, <laughs> what did, what did you do it at 12? I at slept noon, till yeah. 1230 and I'm like, Hey, I'll jump on. Like, I'm still fucking half asleep. <laughs> I thought it was at 1230. I'm like, I'm coming down. You're like, Oh, we're halfway through it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Fuck it. <laughs> and then I started thinking about all the questions I had for him. Like, fuck, what a beauty. I, what a I, beauty. I, I could probably get him on again at some point. He's that would be awesome because I'd love to talk to him because like he played for the Leafs and you know what I mean? Mm. There was a lot of people that didn't like him because I don't know if he was on his decline then, but like he still went on to play some amazing hockey with the other teams that he went to, but they treated him like shit in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I thought it was awesome that they picked him up, but you know, like if you're not a fan favorite, you're in so much trouble there mm. so much trouble you oh, touch the puck they're booing you in your own fucking arena i know me and him had it well we obviously you guys obviously just heard but we talked about the media in toronto yeah like how bad it is there so but yeah so thank you to chris absolute beauty um sid the kid speaking of sid the kid um 1400 points now for the kid Oh, wait, wait, wait. Remember, I, I wanted to talk to you about, the, did he talk about the puck between his legs and all that shit? Yes, he did. Okay, so could you imagine when when Robbie Shrimp was doing that shit and he was just getting, just ridiculed for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it and, and, and when you're trying something different and, and it's working, like he was doing the, the Michigan before, and before those kids were even fucking born that were doing oh, the Michigan, know. you know what I mean? And, and, and then when you talk, 
you know, like, and it had to put a sour taste in, in shrimp's mouth just due to the fact that he was doing something like 20 years ago before yeah. his time, before all the shit is now, oh my God, it's so amazing that they're doing this. But there was guys that were able to do this way back when. Mm-hmm. And then Versteeg, he did the same thing. And who, who was his coach? Coach Quinn? Yeah, no, it was uh, Quinville. Yeah, so, so Quinville says... First eight, you fucker, like get the yeah. fuck off the ice. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, and did it during the game. Mm. And then like, you guys have all heard the story, like, but I heard of mine's checklets and yeah. he is like, next, next practice, you know, Buff and, and Taves are going through their legs and everybody's laughing about yeah. it. Quinn doesn't, or, or uh, Coach Q. Uh, Coach Q doesn't say shit about it, right? Yeah. Because these are the all-stars and Versteeg's a fucking scrub. Mm. Meanwhile, he's a fucking amazing hockey player. My favorite story that he told is when he was on the ice with the Wit dog. Okay. Yeah. He was on the ice with Wit in Florida. And there's like 60 fucking things on the ice pucks. He just started flicking the pucks into the stand. Oh, when they made a bag skate. Yeah. But that was a good one. Yeah. These guys obviously heard it. But yeah, it was fucking great. That was my favorite one that he told me. So that's pretty good. Because he's flipping them all over the glass. He's like, I had to flip 50 or 60. Fucking I funny. love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so back to Sid. Couple notes here on the pens. First one, Sid, obviously 1400 points. Think about how much more you would have if you didn't have to miss a year and a half of hockey because of conkeys. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? He'd be what 15, 1600 points right now, probably. And you know what, too? If he wouldn't have been such a baby when he was coming up, mm-hmm. you know, it, he would be the most loved hockey player ever to play the game. Mm-hmm. But he bitched and moaned and he even said it. He's like, I wish I wouldn't have done that in my early years. Yeah. Snapping you know I mean? the head back and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. All of it, all of it. Whining to the refs, doing all that shit, you know, like, like him and Ovechkin came in what the same year or one year uh, apart. I think one year apart. Okay. So one year apart. And, and it's always been that rival, right? So you take, you take uh, Crosby, his year and a half out of that scenario. I think they both have right around, what, 1,400 points each? Yeah. I think they're almost identical in points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Crosby would have way more assists where Obi would score more goals. I think he'd have at least 100 more points, if, if not more. Yeah. than Ovechkin right now if he didn't have to take that year and a half off from the from the headshots mm-hmm. well the one at the winter uh classic there costed him a year yeah that was from uh what's his name from the capitals yeah yeah he ended up being and it uh, was just and it was just a freak thing yeah it was yeah it was not intentional just, i didn't see it as intentional it just rattled them the wrong way that yeah. was all it happens all the time guys run into their own guys got you know mm-hmm. they run into each other yeah i don't They're know on that yeah. Um, speaking of uh, of the pens, like I was saying, there Malkin got four games, De- deservedly so. Yeah, he cross checked. Is it Borshevsky or something or whatever? But something like that from Nashville. I want to say cross check right in the fucking chops, man. Just right in the mouth. leaking all over the place. Got a mouth right in the back of his molars. Like yeah, like just, his mouth God. opened up so wide. Like it, unbelievable. He came back yeah, and finished the game, but you yeah. deserved four games. Oh yeah. You know, and everybody's like, Oh, what about Matthews? Matthews only got two for it. 
not even comparable. It's the thing when you hit somebody here to hitting them here. Yeah. In the face and actually That's causing a, injury. Cross-checked him in the neck. He got his two games and yeah. deservedly so. But Malkin, he knocked the last four teeth out of that poor fucker's mouth. <laughs> I know, yeah. He doesn't have very many in the first no. place. They call him sugar, sugar tooth. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing is Malkin will give the if they end up matching up again at some point, Malkin will give that guy the chance to fight him. Like he's, he's that, gonna fight him. Oh, yeah, he's that type of guy. It's gonna happen. He, who did he cheap shot before he hit somebody? It was McDonough or somebody, I want to say. I forget who it was, but it was someone. But they fought right off the draw. He said in the media, I will give him the chance. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, he's not a pussy. He, he'll no. go answer the bell. No, no. He, he knows he, he did something him. wrong. Yeah. You know he'll what I mean? Him. He fucking snapped, got the wires crossed, and, and yeah. that's what happened. So look for that. That will happen at some point, I'm assuming. Um, shitty news for the LA Kings lost drew doughty season ending wrist surgery so yeah that really sucks that uh his wrists are fucked because that's your bread and butter right like you know it's just like your ankles Mm. you ain't got ankles you ain't got wrists you ain't playing hockey that's a big big time player too to be losing absolutely especially coming into the playoffs and 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 they're a pretty good wagon right now and for him being in his late 30s he still plays like he's younger like was there still, something that happened? Do, do you know? Like I don't know. I was gonna ask slash you or just uh, you wear and tear. I think it might might just be wear and tear because I didn't see anything like in like highlights or anything like that. Yeah. Because normally they would have something up. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to look into that. Um, last thing, Chucky's Hattie there in Calgary. That kid's fucking good too, man. He's and, a jo- and also Johnny Hockey reaches a thousand points in a single season for the first time in his career too. So two good notes out of Calgary though. They are rolling right now That's going awesome. into the playoffs. Absolutely rolling. To me, they they could be one of the teams that come out of the West here. Right. Could be one of them, man. We'll see what happens, man. What do you what do you think on the Flames? I think the t- Flames are going to be tough to beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Whoever they're going to run into and, and through the whole playoffs, they're going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're, not, tough. and we're not doing the fucking – if the playoffs started right now. We'll wait, no. until, we'll wait until the matchups are actually set, yeah. and then we'll kind of break down all the series when it comes down to that time. So that'll pro- that's still probably a couple weeks away, obviously. Right. Um, which then – will lead us to our last segment of every show like we always do our beauty of the week rob who do you got for your beauty of the week i'll let you go first well i got can i i just i didn't i need to give a a shout out to the uh u under 12 uh sun county panthers uh winning the championship sweet um great job guys uh it, it was awesome awesome to see awesome to hear it was all all over facebook and I also want to uh, give another shout out to the Ravens under 12 winning their OMHA championship. Actually, I think I've seen both of those two online team photos. Yeah, that's the South, South Point Essex Ravens. Sweet. Uh, like, like combined and, and good, good for all you guys. Like uh, congratulations on that. It's nice uh, to see but my, the teams. Yeah, my, my, my beauty of the week is uh, Mr. Uh, Kevin Hamlin. Yeah. Getting coach of the year 
uh good for you buddy like uh congratulations on all your success there with the uh windsor lancers mm -hmm. so proud to have had you on my our show and uh you know sky's the limit for you buddy oh yeah i could see him going way higher than like i understand he loves it there and he's great for the u but i could see him getting offers elsewhere too bro he's got it made yeah but it's I a matter see if you want to pick up your family and move right yeah. right now he's living mm -hmm. in windsor and fucking coaching the windsor lancers like dude, killing it like, remember looking at his office when we interviewed him yeah it was great yeah so congrats to him kevin but my beauty of the week is going to be Sidney crosby 1400 points can't you know can't go wrong with sid the kid as much as i hate him i still love watching him play so yeah i'm a, i'm going sid the kid um before we wrap up the show here as you guys know beauty of the week's always the end of a show but we just want to give uh a big good luck to the essex 73s too so good luck boys We'll be watching. I'm sure Rob will be there, but we'll be watching. So I just want to give those guys a little bit of extra good luck. So yeah, I'll be there guys. Uh, just come buy me a beer. <laughs> good. Rob, Rob will be up in the corner near the bar. If you're, <laughs> yeah. if you're, yeah, in you'll, find me. you'll see me. So until next week, aunt Rob signing off. We're out of here. See you guys. Peace.